You and I belong to the community of the University of Michigan. But did you ever stop to think about what this means exactly? Communities are all around us, and they have the power to transform our lives and impact our future. Who we surround ourselves with is who we become. We are on a constant journey to figure that out and reach the best version of ourselves. And I firmly believe that defining and understanding what communities are can help us achieve that. I am Borja Jimena, an exchange student from Spain at U of M, and this is Michigan Voices, Season 3, Episode 3, where we belong. Two U of M professors talk about community in theory and in practice. During my semester at U of M, I had the chance to belong to several communities, such as Baker Co-op, Russell School of Business, the Program on Integrated Relations, or IGR, my podcasting class, the exchange students, and U of M as a whole. It was the best experience of my life, so I wanted to explore further the topic of communities. And there were two courses which particularly impacted me, not only because of the quality of the teaching, but also because of the new perspectives they brought me. One was emotional intelligence, taught by Dr. Eric Fretz, a former commissioned officer in the U.S. Navy with over 20 years of active and reserve service. His life mission is to help students, veterans, and student veterans reach their full potential. The other was social media marketing, taught by Dr. Marcus Collins, an award-winning marketer and cultural translator. He dedicates his life to help people realize their full potential at the highest fidelity possible. As you can see, both professors are extremely committed to helping others in the community and have made a life's mission of it. That's why I thought it would be so cool to invite them to the podcast to share their take on communities, both from a theoretical and a practical standpoint. First, I wanted to know what communities are and why they are important. According to Professor Fretz, who has been a leader in the Navy and the Boy Scouts, among many other communities, communities involve a common purpose and a support system. Community, as a definition, obviously, would just be you know a group of people. For me, they would be engaged in a common cause, generally would be sort of supportive of one another. Um, but I think for me, it also is a sort of a feeling, um, which is this uh, comfort and support. I think as I've gotten older had more psychology training and had more experience with the military, I've become acutely aware of how humans exist essentially in communities. They have to, and and to not have a sense of community is really destructive. Um, to, so, so for me, it's this feeling of having a community, having a place, having a tribe. Professor Collins, as an authority on culture, which is a governing and operating system for communities, sees communities from a cultural lens. Communities are, to me, a collective of people who share a common interest, whether it's shared land or ideologies and beliefs. And these groups of people are, they're, they're connected and therefore they operate, they're governed by a cultural subscription, a set of beliefs, artifacts that are considered uh, normal, a set of behaviors that are traditional social norms, refer to them, um, and language that, that we use. The alchemy, these things make up their culture and their culture governs what is ex considered acceptable behavior for people who are part of these groups of people that we might call a community. And these characteristics, these cultural facts, as Durkheim refers to them, they are socialized and, uh, and adopted through the stories that we tell the mythology that we tell of what people like us do, they become the way by which we 
understand, demarcate, um, and and govern how we behave in the world as a result of what people like us do. Professor Collins mentioned stories, which was interesting. Stories were not the first to spring to mind when thinking about communities, but they are no doubt an important part of them. Just think about this podcast, Michigan Voices, where you of them students put all sorts of stories together to bring our community closer. What is the power of stories in community building? Stories are the bonds. They're the covalent bonds that keep the community tight. And we tell stories between each other, members of the community, so that what is considered normal or what is considered acceptable is socialized among people like ourselves. So these stories are built, they're, they're constructed as a way to help fortify cultural uh, congruence and what we, the people, do. How they're built, they're built based upon a, the stories that have been told before us, the mythology that continues to, to, to propagate before us, or new exogenous shocks to the system that we then create new stories around. And we can look at the exact same thing and have two different stories. I mean, politics is a perfect example of this. You know, we look at the same happening ostensibly, uh, but the story that's told on one news station may be different than the story that's told on the next news station based on the community's ideologies and, and beliefs. That made a lot of sense. And I just remembered what Professor Collins taught us in class about stories. We use stories to connect with people. And storytelling becomes an act of community and the sharing of values and knowledge. As the renowned psychologist Lieberman said, psychologically, our reality derives from the stories we tell ourselves, at least the ones we believe. Exactly. We are negotiating and constructing meaning, right? Meaning is co-created, right? We do it communally. Clifford Gertz, uh, the anthropologist, says that, that meaning is it belongs inherently belongs to the community right it because it is socially created it doesn't exist in the mind of one they exist in the mind of many and the many helps mediate and construct these cultural meanings through the discourse that we have i.e the stories that we tell and the the powerful part here is that we tell ourselves the same stories we tell ourselves the same stories that we tell each other, and they erect what is reality. Whether it's real or not, it's neither here nor there. If it's real in your mind, then therefore it is materially real. And as a result, you behave accordingly. Wow, that's super powerful, as Professor Collins would say. Now that we've seen what communities are and how stories help build them, I think it's time for our first story. Professor Fred has a bunch of them, but there's one that especially stuck in my mind. When I was doing one of the biggest things I ever did, which was build a scout camp at, uh, in, in Iraq, I built a scout camp on an Iraqi special forces base. And I had at one point 80, 90, 100 people all responding to me as volunteers in this ad hoc structure that we had just thrown together and everyone was just following me. And I was in some cases overwhelmed. I was like, what, what am I going to do with these people? And I created this structure where it was very loose and I would communicate with them with email. I'd send email messages out to them uh, to sort of rally them and let them know what the goals were. 
And then I would engage in various kind of, not really tricks, but games to say, hey, you know, I'm the stubborn old guy and I don't think that, you know, we need to get this done, but I bet you can't figure out how to do this one thing. And it would be like a game and they would get together and they would come up with some solution that required some kind of crazy thing and required me to sign some forms to requisition a crane and whatever else. And and we would do this every week. We would go through this and I would be like, oh, okay, you guys got me. Well, here's another one you won't be able to do. And it just became this fun thing. Um, Monday through Saturday, you were working a minimum of a 12-hour day, but more, normally it would be a 15-hour, more-hour day. And then you might get six hours or so to yourself on Sunday if things were looking good and people were nice. And at the end, we had brought this whole camp to life with power and water and living quarters and security fences and all of these great, all of these great things for the um, for the young people. Um, so the idea that these people were squeezing what little free time they had, they were this, they were putting together this little chunk of free time and, and giving it to me when they had so little otherwise, um, it partly showed, you know, the value, the value proposition, right? We were, we were, um, but we were also providing something that gave them meaning. And I think that's, that's another piece of the community, right? Is that a community generally thrives. You could have a community based on frivolity if you want to. I, I think it might work. Um, but usually there was meaning. There had to be some purpose. There had to be some itch that was being scratched, some, some need that was being fulfilled. And so, um, uh, that was a big one for, you know, in Iraq, people were there under fire, really dealing with hardship and saying, why am I here? How am I contributing to making the world better, you know, by routing this paperwork or endlessly filling gas tanks while I'm being shot at? And then they said, oh, and I'm, I'm building this camp and now I have purpose. Now there's a reason why I'm here. I love the Frankel quote. I think it's Frankel. It's, you know, the, who, whoever has their why and understands why they can endure almost any how um and maybe someone else's quote but that, i think that was very powerful because then you can you can get through that was very true for me I, be, until i started working on that scout project in iraq i was really in the depths of despair i was having a very hard time all sorts of negative things going on in my life very very difficult the most challenging negative um just beat down by life that i've ever been and, and finding that purpose and saying, this is a thing that I'm uniquely suited to do and I can make good things happen here. And people are giving me positive feedback and I love this. Um, that was instrumental, I think, in, in making that year uh, survivable for me. That story illustrates the power of communities, servant leadership and emotional intelligence as well. The latter seems to be another big component of community building. The emotional intelligence is huge because if you have that ability to understand and communicate well and be exact, you know, to provide each person what they need from you, right? If this person needs praise and this person just needs challenge and this person just needs someone to tell them, you know, this one thing is going to be okay. And you can provide, you, you can perceive that correctly and you can deliver that. All of those people then will be very loyal to you. And then that's, that's really where it becomes a very powerful team, right? Because then everybody shares your vision. They have positive uh, regard for you, uh, positive regard for the vision that you're sharing. And so they put all their energy into it. Um, it's really wonderful. And I've, I've been able to achieve that several times in my life and what I call the high performance team. And uh, that's really magical. And, uh, and for myself and when I see other leaders doing it, it it's almost always, it's always involving emotional intelligence and and almost always 
involving really superior emotional intelligence where someone's really operating at a very high level. We've dived deep into the topic of communities, but I also wanted to bring it closer to us, the U of M community. Both Professor Fretz and Professor Collins attended their undergraduate and postgraduate studies at U of M, and that gives them a unique perspective about what it means to be U of M alumni. So it's interesting, my, my experience in Michigan is both as a student and a professor. So I went here undergrad and I got my master's here, and now I'm a professor here, right? So three different identities that I've had here, here at Michigan. <clears throat> as an undergrad, I was in the College of Engineering but like, I didn't feel like an engineering student. I didn't feel like I belonged there. So my identity didn't fit as that, though that's what I studied. I feel much more at home with like with Greek letter organizations. I was in a fraternity. I was president of the, the Black Greek letter organization now known as the National Panhellenic. So I felt more at home there with like the student orgs that I were a part of, like my friends, not really as an engineer. When I came for business school as a master's student, I felt like a grad student, not an undergrad. I feel very much a part of the Ross community, but not like the University of Michigan, broadly speaking. I was a Rosser, you know what I mean? And now as a professor, you know, I and maybe this is just my own uh, imposter syndrome, I feel less like a professor um, and more like a marketer. And therefore, I feel at home in my department, my marketing department more than I do in, in Ross faculty more, more broadly. Again, this is just smaller, 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 closer and closer and closer, um, especially now knowing myself more than I did as an undergrad, have a far more sharper point of view on what my beliefs are, what I feel is normative from a behavior perspective and language that I use. You know, when I left here with my first bachelor's degree, if you had told me I was going to be an academic, that I was going to have a PhD and be on faculty anywhere, much less here, I would have had no way to even process that. I wouldn't have been able to have that conversation with you because I would have thought you were so wrong and so inconceivably clueless about who I was and where I was going in my life. So everybody who is in their 20s and is just so darn sure that it's got to be this and this is the only thing that will ever be, and if they can't have it, their life is over and all of this, I just... I try to be polite, but I kind of want to laugh, right? Because I just think, oh my gosh, if I could show you how my life has changed by tiny little things that I didn't really notice at the time that that just changed my whole life course. Um, so yeah, purpose is good, um, but also a willingness to kind of um, flow with flow with life because you'll, you'll find new purposes, you'll find new things. Both professors have been navigating so many communities throughout their lives. I wonder how moving from one to another has impacted them. Professor Collins stated that communities are constantly changing, but they are rooted in our identity. You can imagine just how fluid uh, communities can be, depending on I move to a new state, I move to a new neighborhood, I move to a new country, and therefore I'm a part of a new community. I go to a different school, I'm no longer in school. Now I'm part of a new community. I go, I work at a new job, part of a new community. So these things are very unstable and they're constantly moving, but they are anchored based upon our uh, our identity subscription. We're constantly changing in, 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 in the best ways possible, you know? Um, and so is the same here that as you grow, your aperture widens on how you see the world and make meaning of the world. And ergo, your, your idea of self 
should change. I mean, if you're the same person as you were 20 years ago, you just wasted 20 years, right? You know, um, uh, Drake has his line, uh, to say you had knew me, to say that there's a new me, right? That it's like, yo, like, yeah. And if I'm not the same, if I'm the same person that I was, didn't grow, didn't evolve at all, then man, I, I, it's a pretty whack situation. It is impossible to know where life will lead us in the coming years. But the one clear thing is where we belong. Professor Freds and Professor Collins have some final words of wisdom so that we find our voice within our communities, especially U of M, and bring the best version of ourselves anywhere we go. Keep your ties to this community. Join the Alumni Association and stay, stay in touch with your friends. Don't underestimate the importance of this community um, for your well-being. I think that a lot of times people suffer in silence or they accept these more impoverished states of being where they're not part of something important and they don't have support. And you need to be an advocate of your own. You know, you, you go. So I have no friends. Go find friends. Right? I have nothing to do. Of go find something to do and then bring people to you. You know, you are to some degree are, are in control of this. You can make this happen. Um, and people will come to you when you're doing fun things and you have the kind of personality, you have the high EQ that makes other people comfortable being around you, then you can build these communities and everyone can thrive as a result, which I think is really neat. So, you know, join a community, build a community, uh, get together and build a community with someone, um, help maintain a community. Because those things, it's just that's naturally what humans do. That's, I think, where the value is. You know, when I, as older as I've gotten, just, you know, hanging around and doing interesting stuff and having good meals um, with good people, this to me is kind of what life is about. This is, this is the closest proxy we have to what was the Industrial Revolution where people left their towns to go to the big city, to the metropolis, to to work in, in factories, to work in these, these like big heterogeneous uh, uh, gatherings. And they bounced into these different people who had different ideas, different beliefs, different different cultural facts that governed their life. And as a result, people were like, oh, man, I never heard that before. That's really interesting, widening their aperture. I think school does that as well. University is probably the the, the only place that provides that level of, of of openness, that level of exposure to new ideas, to to new points of view. And the idea, to your point, is to be open minded, but not empty headed. To be open minded to the possibilities, but be you know to 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 have some conviction about who you are. Be critical in things like, hmm, is that really the case? And you know, constantly reevaluating the way you see the world. Uh, but the, I think the hope is not to necessarily uproot everything, but it's about getting better, finding inches, trying to optimize where you can. You know, everybody has a place. It's to sort of play your role, like to be yourself and, and use your voice. It's the most powerful thing you have is your voice, your agency, um, but also provide grace, realizing that everybody sees the world the way you do to be open to different perspectives, not that you have to accept them, but to say, eh, I, I get where you're coming from. I don't see it that way, but I get where you're coming from. And that is okay. Know who you are, but know who you are will evolve. That, you know, that that your identity today is, is, is not stable. However, it should be convicted. 
You've been listening to Michigan Voices Season 3 from Digital to the Diag, Episode 3, where we belong. Two U of M professors talk about community in theory and in practice. I'm Borja Jimena, and I'd like to thank two of the best professors I've ever had who kindly offered to share their voice with us, Eric Fretz and Marcus Collins. Next up in Season 3 of Michigan Voices, Accounting for Change, the potato professor makes the best out of remote learning. See you on social media and never forget where you belong.